This is for the free thinkers, the curious beings that swim upstream, who see possibilities, not problems, that learn from the past, live by the present, and create the future. This is the I Love Ugly Audio Show. Welcome to the I Love Ugly Audio Show. My name is Valenti Nozic, creative director and founder of I Love Ugly. On this episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with a good friend and longtime supporter of the brand, John Cameron. John and his wife Gillian are the founders and lead pastors of a well-respected Arise Church based in New Zealand. Through their leadership, Arise has grown from a group of seven people in a small dance and drama studio to a church of thousands in many locations around the country. In this episode, I dive into John's backstory, how he was able to grow his church from scratch to be where it is today, what being a leader means to him, how he leads others, how other people can find their true passion in life, as well as goal setting, morning routines, nutrition, and much, much more. This episode is for anyone who needs a boost in their life right now, and someone that wants to be the fly on the wall of an interesting conversation with an interesting guy. Those who are trying to find their true calling, who are wanting to become a better version of themselves, or who just need a little bit of inspiration, this episode is for you. I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed recording it. Enjoy. All right, John, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Bit of a bit of a rough start to the interview with the SD card not working, and <laughs> yeah, grab some lunch beforehand, and you know the conversations we had at lunch could have easily been a podcast or two in itself. So thanks for coming. Yeah, so what are you doing up in Auckland? I'm on holiday. Yeah, yeah. my family's from here, and, and my wife's family lives in Mount Eden. Yeah, so we're just up here hanging out with them. Normally they come down for all our birthdays, so it's nice to be up here. Awesome uh, during this time with COVID, and be able to get to see everybody and yeah, h- hanging out and get some family time. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, family time, especially around school holidays, is important. Um, obviously, I know who you are, um, but do you just want to tell the audience kind of briefly who you are, what you do, and then um. Yeah, just so they can kind of get a bit of an idea who, who Mr. John Cameron is. Okay, cool. Well, I, um, I am a church pastor. So I pastor a church that, that originated in Wellington. Now we have 11 different locations um, across New Zealand and online. So it's, uh, it's a church in the very traditional sense, but it's also like uh, different to a normal church in that it is more a reflection of society as it exists now. So it's, uh, has a strong online engagement. We have multiple locations. We're looking to start more. Uh, I also, uh, speak not only in my own church, but in places around the world and I write books as well. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the toned down version. Actually you're, yeah, kind of, I guess that's what, you know made me feel inclined to reach out to you i just saw what you're achieving and doing and i was inspired by it and obviously you're a customer of i ugly as well so huge man yeah so it's super cool and then um i know last time we met i heard you speak uh heard you speak that evening and i was just impressed just with the emphasis you put on the message it was like although it was at life church in a christian context i felt what you're saying the underpinning message and i think you're talking about problems I think it was, and about how problems are actually an actual blessing if you see them in that way. Something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. And I was like, that is incredible, so true. You know, that was I took a lot of notes and I think I texted you that night how inspired I was and 
and um, you know that inspired me to do a lot of the podcast episodes and things like that. So yeah, how do you just just on that? So obviously we spoke before. You speak Sunday three times, so yes. you speak three times on Sunday. How do you kind of what makes you feel inclined to speak about a particular message and issue? And yeah, how do you just what's your creative process? like around that because you speak for about an hour is it no i speak normally for about 35 minutes if i'm being a uh, a good and yeah i can get up to 40 maybe if i'm getting a bit too excited about the topic yeah no one tends to tell me to stop and how (laughs) how long could you go if someone said if no one told you to stop oh i i do leadership seminars that are up to an hour um but not that often i think for people's attention span that's kind of reduced as as the internet and you know smartphones and Mm -hmm. all that the ability to condense your thought down to a more succinct period of time has become hugely more important for me yeah. as a communicator, primarily an oral communicator, although yeah. I love communication in all its forms. And so um, I think that that's, that's always been something that I've been particularly drawn towards. Um, in terms of the creative process of speaking, um, obviously what is driving the majority of our messaging is what are the biggest problems that people are facing. So yeah. we're, we're always engaging with that. And as a yeah. church, you know, people don't really know what does a church do. Yeah. In terms of what a church does, I'll just touch on this and then answer the question. In society, you have a social welfare system, and mm-hmm. that, that's a so important. That's mm-hmm. well-funded that we do well as a country for that. That deals with the extremity of societal issues. Mm-hmm. What the church really picks up is everything that doesn't make it into that depth of problem. Yeah. So when it's when it doesn't need intervention, yeah. we do everything else. Wow. So we do like... All we you know we help with teenagers with eating disorders. We help we help with identity for young people struggling to find out whether they count or not. We do we do pre-marriage help. We do we do marriage reconciliation. We do we do finance help. We do getting free of your addiction. You know a lot of that is the work of the church. Yeah. So then we're compiling all of that information um, as a church every week to find out what are the biggest issues people face, and then we're trying to convert that into what we're going to focus on in our topics so that what we're speaking on is scratching where people are itching we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're actually bringing value to people's lives mm. then then we'll put that together into uh, a series calendar and then for me personally i try to create every day so so for me every weekend i've got to deliver a message and that message is going to be important for thousands of people and it's really one of the key ways that i add value to our organization yep. now um, is making sure that that message is, uh, you know, touching the right issues, that it's on point, yeah. that it's helping people because I can't help people one-on-one like I could when our church was smaller. Absolutely. Still our team can, but I just can't. Yeah. So that's really what I'm trying to drive towards. So most days now I try to have a 35 to 40 minute discipline where before I do anything else, before I check emails, before I log on to check the news, I just sit down and I try and spend a few minutes and just start a message. So yep. every day I'm trying to create something. Yep. So then a lot of those never go anywhere, mm-hmm. um, but then there's always just fresh content that I'm coming up with. Mm-hmm. So that when I know I've got to speak on a certain topic, the first thing that I do is I look backwards and I say, well, what have I come up with already? Yep. I think that's where a lot of creative people get stuck is that they don't, they don't have enough seed 
to then when they have to deliver, they can go back on something. Mm, so true. And I found that was the biggest stress in my life. I, yeah. I don't know about you, but yeah, I mean, your creative outputs outweigh mine, I would say. I mean, you know. Yeah, well, as well, we're talking about at lunch, it's just what I know and what you do is what I'll probably, I'm thinking the same to you, about you. Like your creative output and what you do, it's just like, you know, the whole, the whole church judges the performance of the church on your performance. You know, they, they kind of look at it, that, that, right. you know, and probably, you probably paved the way of how people feel for the next week based on what you delivered. And I think that's like, I just think about that and it just stresses me out. <laughs> yeah. But for you, it's second nature, right? Well, it's yeah. all I've known, I guess. Yeah. But yeah but and likewise, you, yeah. I can't believe you put out a new range every two weeks. Like. Yeah. Or twice a week. And you, oh, you, sorry. Yeah. Twice a week. With, yeah. yeah. Garments every couple. Yeah. It's, it's, it is pretty insane. But yeah. So, so you've got the seed of a bunch of ideas. And then when you, you know, when you go to deliver based off what you feel people need, you kind of look back and yeah. So that's, um, and that's kind of like how long you've been doing that process. I've only been doing that for a few years, yeah. but it's been, I wish I'd done it longer, you yeah. know, uh, because that's really helped me to, uh, you know, get the monkey off my back. And did you figure that process out or did someone come along and say, hey, why don't you try doing it like this? Or how did you figure out that process, that formula? Uh, basically, just, I mean, I think when you become a pastor, it's sort of like, what direction are you going to go? Because yeah. there's like all the, all the one-on-one stuff. There's all the management sort of side to things. Yeah. That's not what I studied, not, not what I excel at. Yeah. And then there's all the creative side. And, yeah. Um, you know, and that, that and bundled into that is all the message delivery and everything. Yeah. And uh, I guess for me, I just got to a point where I found myself just stressed and yeah. tired and feeling like this was too big. Yeah. Um, and that's when I thought I've got to change the way that I'm working. And mm. so I gave myself more... Um, I started to ask myself, what is the biggest help I can give to yeah. my organization? And I realized that of the top three things, that was going to be one of them. Yeah. So then making sure that I was fresh and able to do that consistently yeah. became the question. And then out of that, I came up with that process. Yeah. And I think that that's what everybody needs is to work out how do you add the most value to what you're trying to do with your life. Mm-hmm. And then what's the way that I can deliver that without killing myself, you know? Mm, so true. Um, and that's that's what's really been a blessing to me. Mm. I love what you said before, how you said you came to a point where you said to yourself, this is too big. How do I do this? And a lot of people probably quit at that point because they're like, this is too big. Whereas actually you re-looked at the situation. You said, how can I change what I do? So this thing can actually be bigger even what I thought. And it's like simple little shifts like that, right? Yes. I think where people get probably caught out. I'm, I'm, this is the exact conversation we had at lunch. It's like I'm, you know, I'm naturally a creative, so that actually energizes me. But when I do stuff outside of that, although part of my job, it's, it's just, it just goes part and parcel of my job. I have to approve budgets and look at cash flow and staff and culture and things like that. But if I do that, if I do that primarily, it's going to stress me out. And same thing, I'll be like, I can't see beyond this. It's too stressful. Yeah. Whereas if you do that small shift and it's like, get people that are really good at that and that energizes them, get them to do the stuff that depletes you and you focus on the stuff that energizes you. Yeah. The growth is just insane. And that's what you guys have experienced, right? Because is Arise the biggest church in New Zealand now? 
Uh, it's like one of those competitions that amongst the church community, we don't really talk about it a lot. Yeah. But we would be first or second, depending yeah. on how you measure it. Amazing. Um, our online exposure probably it may tip us to number one, but I'm yeah. not exactly sure. And what do you think is the key attributing factor to that? The fact, because, you know, if you guys started, you started small, you grew exponentially. Like why, how did that happen? Um, well, I mean, you know, we started rising a little drama studio in Newtown and Wellington mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, 30 people in our services. And then after a year we had 120. Um, and then I think we really just started to figure out who we were, you know? Yeah. So year two for us was really about just saying, who are we as a church? What do we want to be? What is, what's core to who we are and trying to be unapologetic about that. Yeah. Wellington had never had a big church before, so no one had ever built a church over a thousand people ever in the history of the city. Whereas wow. Auckland's always had that. Christchurch has always had that. Um, and so for us, it was like we were banging against a lot that was not helping us. Yeah. But in year two, we really figured out, well, this is what a rise is. This is what we really value. This is what we, we care about. And then that year we went to uh, 400. The next year we went to 800. Wow. Then we went to 1200. That fourth year we moved uh, locations. And then the next year we grew by 64%, 37%. Wow. And it, it just really took off. And that's purely from really understanding who you are, not deviating away from that and just yeah. being authentic through and through. Yeah. And people became attracted to that yeah wow exactly i think you know just and narrowing it down to only a few things you know like i think we've 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 never tried to be a church that does everything yeah we've just tried to be a church that does a couple things we try to do those very very well yeah try to focus on only what really moves our needle of what we care about Mm -hmm. dramatically and if it really doesn't then we try to get rid of it as being just a, a side eddy yeah, for our energy and just focus on that river of this is what is what's going to move us along mm-hmm. as far as we can. And I think that's so true, and uh, that yeah, that I think that's consistent throughout a lot of organizations, sports teams, everything. It's just like yes. if you try to be a everything to everybody, you end up becoming a nothing. You spread yourself too thin. Yeah, um, we got caught out with that, nearly went bankrupt because of that. Right. You know, we were trying to do wholesale distribution license deals. We we're trying to be vertical. We were trying to be, you know, all these different brands wear these different hats, and it's exhausting. And then even what you do do well ends up becoming crappy because you're so spread out. And I think that's like a key takeaway from everyone, right? Just like what what you just said about just focus. Anything outside of that focus is yeah, we're going to drop. And it takes a lot of it takes a lot of courage as well. You think? Because you probably have to say no to a lot of opportunities, I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that what happened for us in our journey was in the first period of time, I was exceptionally good at saying no yep. and keeping us focused. But, you know, people's opinions really can come at you. Yes, um, especially you know, those you trust. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then pressures from without uh, become big once you get to a certain size, especially in the church world, because it's not always uh, a welcome contribution. Um, uh, I think it should be, but you know, so then you, you face criticism and then, mm. uh, that became a season for us where we probably just backed away a little bit, let ourselves get diluted just yeah. a little bit. And it comes at the cost of, you know, actually 
moving forward quickly into what you're really good at doing. Yeah. I, I always like to say to people, the closer what you do comes from who you are, yes. the more successful you're going to be. Yeah. So I think of it like a, a drum, you know, when you hit a drum on the edges, it makes a pitter pattering noise. Yeah. But the resonance isn't in the pitter pattering. Mm. When you whack the drum in the middle, it has a boom and it, it, it that's got, that's got impact and yes. resonance and, and, it, it, yeah. it, it spreads and Definitely. we want to make sure that if we're going to put our energy into anything that we're not pitter pattering on the edges mm. but that we're hitting hitting in the middle getting the boom you know yeah. we, we want to get the boom out of our energies and that's just about staying true to what you feel called to do what you what contribution you feel you're supposed mm. to make mm. and that's what we're focused on and that's what you know i mean i love your brand you you know that yeah i think i own seven pairs of kobe pants alone <laughs> damn um and I'm, I'm a huge fan get your emails every week always yeah. always dial in I, I just i literally got asked once if i was sponsored by i love ugly but <laughs> i'm glad i'm not i just want to be a contributor and, and a fan but but um but you know i just think that your brand has always stayed so fresh still on point um, because it's a reflection of you, right? Yeah, definitely. And as we said as well, like you noticed that period around 2015, 16, where it felt a little bit off. And I think that was because we were, well, firstly, I was out doing other stuff. I was kind of pitter pattering on right. that drum pad, as you said. I was kind of doing all stuff that I thought was the right thing, but actually it was the wrong thing. Um, but yeah, absolutely. That authenticity, I think in everything, and even like, even as a person as well, like if you're not authentic to yourself, if you do things that, um, you know, try to impress other people, although it's not true to yourself, I think can kind of get you into trouble and also lead to unhappiness as well. Yeah. A lot of unfulfillment. Yeah. And that was even kind of like good segue into my next question. It's just like, obviously, you know, you're a, you've got a, you're, you're a man of faith and you've got a strong relationship with God. And that's almost gives you like an, that probably gives you a, a really strong purpose and direction in your life. But for those people that say don't have God in their lives and they feel lost, do you think they need God to feel purposeful? Or do you think that they can find that purpose themselves? I mean, I guess uh, staying true to me, I would say that a relationship with God is the center of discovering who you are. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Bible says that about God, that before we were even born, he already had a purpose for us in mind. And I think that's one of the things that you know, I'm so passionate about because I wasn't always a Christian. And when I was not a Christian, I guess the biggest difference in my life was that I thought about myself in terms of where I was at that moment of my life. Mm. The moment that I found faith in Jesus and a relationship with God began to, because um, it's a two-way relationship. I'm not just talking to God, he's talking to me. Mm -hmm. And the moment that I became a follower of Jesus, I began to think about in my life for the very first time, about the future tomorrow yeah and the longer i followed jesus i would say my identity today is not primarily born out of the john that i am right now mm. but i'm i'm i see myself as i'm going to be in the days that are to come yeah and i think that's so important for every person you know jeremiah 29 11 is a verse of scripture that a lot of people have heard before and it says, I know that the plans I have for you, says mm -hmm. God, and it's plans to give you a future and a hope. Yeah. And I think in a, in a generation where a lot of people are struggling with identity, I'm just relentlessly passionate about helping people understand yeah. that their life counts. There's a reason why they're here. Yeah. 
They're not a mistake. You're, you're never redundant, but you're alive for a purpose. There is a plan for your life. You can contribute something to the world that nobody else can. For sure. And finding who you are and being who you are is the fastest road that you can take towards living a life that is uh, full of meaning yeah. and satisfaction. Definitely. You know, I mean, the, the number one need we have as people in our lives is to feel that our lives are contributing. Yeah. That we're making a difference. That Absolutely. the world is better because we're here. Yeah. Um, they adapted the... the was it Meslow hierarchy of needs to say that that's the now the that's the number one thing. Wow. But I think what social media, what what binge watching Netflix, what low attention span, the absence of distracted time, the absence of dreams, the absence of like boredom that gives birth to thought and creativity means yeah. that we've got a generation of um, people today who are just looking at themselves in light of. Who they see themselves now comparing themselves to airbrush photographs yeah. and feeling like they don't have the sense of meaning that sure. they like. But all the time I just feel like take the stillness, take some time with God and and come alive with that feeling like my life is here for a purpose. Definitely. You know? That is so true. Like be bored. Yeah. I think boredom's actually good and it's healthy. Like we don't always have to be stimulated. Like we live in this area where it's a sensory overload. And as soon as that's taken away, when, you know, you go to, you know, like you'll go for a travel across New Zealand and you're going from A to B and you'll see this beautiful scenery, but it's like you're so overly stimulated with all all this other crap that you see on Instagram, these prefabricated photos that you no longer see beauty in that. And you're constantly comparing your life to other people's lives. And it's easy to make your life look amazing on the phone. Yeah. Easy. Only takes a bit of time. And, um, yeah, and for, 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 for whatever weird reason, the person that's, you know, staging that photo makes them feel good if they get the likes and the little dopamine hits yeah. as well. But kind of going back to, going back to the purpose as well, it's like, what, what would you say if someone, say, didn't have, like, didn't have, say, God or couldn't find God and they felt that they didn't have purpose, how would you advise those people to try to find some purpose in their life? Well, I think your purpose always needs to be attached to a way that you can make the world a better place. So try and find out, you know. I, so it's always got to be for the service of others rather than yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think anything that's not for the service of others or doesn't help make the world a better place, it's just too prone to failure. Yeah. And there'll always be someone that is better. Yeah. So if you if we, we make ourselves the center of our own story, I think we're walking a dangerous pathway because you know now we're trying to push other people down so that we can get to number one Mm. and i don't think that's gonna hit us in the right direction and the harsh reality is there's probably always going to be someone coming along who's better faster younger, more handsome yeah yeah more money it's gonna happen yeah yeah. but i think if we can start with okay i want to make the world a better place and then ask yourself what do I do that really makes me feel like I'm alive? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and what feeds me? What fuels me? And don't look for that starting off and things that are really big. You know, just don't, we don't have to start with the big dream. Often if we can work out what we do that's, you know, really small but tangibly makes a difference, yeah. that's actually going to be the pathway towards the big thing like mm-hmm. like you know mother teresa i no, no question about it one of the most famous and influential people in the last century of our yep. world um and she, did it without money and violence without and, money yeah 
Got off, a, got off a boat in Calcutta, saw, saw a guy on the side of the road, took him to a home, cared for him, restored him back to health, and then repeated it. Wow. She kept doing it enough times, nobody knew who she was, but eventually the world sought her out and she ended up on a world stage. And I think that that's the temptation is to look at what we're good at or what we naturally are drawn towards and not value that because mm-hmm. we, we think it's got to be something big or grandiose. Yeah. But it's just got to be something that you do really well, that you just get prolific at doing it. Yeah. Um, and then and look for opportunities for that to develop. You know? mm-hmm. Don't get caught in the trap of looking at what other people do and thinking, if I don't do that, you know, I mean, uh, when they looked at young people and asked, what are the greatest dreams of young people? This is a bit of an old stat now. This is mm-hmm. about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. But 10 years ago, uh, largest global survey of young people asking, what are your dreams? 97% said they wanted to be famous and 91 (laughs) said they wanted to be thin. Well, if you want to be skinny and well-known, that's setting your life up for a lot of heartache. For sure. And a lot of disappointment. Yeah. I I don't want my BMI to be the decider of my life goals. Yeah. I want it to be more as to how am I adding value? And you can start very small with that yeah. and feel like your life is full of purpose. Yeah, and the interesting thing about that whole um, you know, benchmark of what people aspire to is majority, I, I can't remember the exact statistic, but it's something like 97% or whatever it is of famous people are actually miserable. Yeah. You know? And that's why you see these people rich and famous with everything in the world, all the stuff, all the women, all the cars, and then they end up committing suicide as well. Yeah. And that's the ugly side of a truth, which they don't actually tell you. Yeah. And that's something that's where, like, my kids even, um, you know, they're always like, why is our family so boring? Like, this uh, family went and brought a Lamborghini with cash. And this guy, like, this guy, like, all this just BS, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I, I, I try to explain to my kids, I was like, you know, that's, it's all lies. And, you know, they just, people make that up and things like that. But it's actually, you know, if I wasn't there to tell them that, that would be, then be their benchmark as well. Right. So you can see how it can be so so dangerous, right? Especially for younger people. Yeah. Yeah. In the world we live in today. So, um, but yeah, that's um, that's so true about just you know finding something that is that you're prolific, you know, be prolific at, and then starting small and then getting at momentum as well, right? Yes. Like once you have momentum, you're like, I'm pretty good at this. It's actually. You know, by making this person feels good, feel good, I feel really good. And then you want to kind of go on to do bigger and bigger and greater things. Yes. Um, it's exactly like what happened with your church. Yeah. You, know, you started 30 people and then you scaled up to 3,000 people. Um, and you think it was just following that philosophy about, you know, helping more and just doing, you know, more focused and helping more, you know, being as more of a service to more people. You grow as a result of that. Yeah, I think so. I think we just, we just, you know, we only do a few things. We do what we're really good at. We try not to do other stuff. Um, and we try to stay, you know, consistent and mm-hmm. focused. And then to think about ways that we can do what we're doing in, in a way that adds greater value to people. Mm. You know, at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make the lives of people better. Yep. And uh, and we know what we're we're about, and we're just trying to stay focused on it. Yeah. And I think that that's you know the one thing that I think that I'm naturally strong at as a person is that I'm 
monomaniacal. I, I tend to be very, very focused on what I'm doing. I tend to ignore a lot of other things. I have the blinkers on. And I think that that's something that is helpful uh, if you're pursuing success or pursuing you know, a breakthrough in whatever area is that you put all your eggs into one basket and just go after that with everything that you have. Yeah. Right? And, and I would say that I always counsel young people, especially that, that that's the way to get really good at something. Mm-hmm. Most people sample a whole lot of things. Yeah. Probably what I would counsel you to do is go big on one thing. Mm-hmm. and really go hard after one thing. Yeah. And How it, do you find that one thing? Like what if you've got no idea what that one thing is? I think you bounce in and out until something is really fruitful. So I, you do a little bit of sampling. Yeah. And then something you're like, for some reason this thing kind of resonates with me. Yeah. And then almost commit at that point. Yeah. You say? Yeah. And that's the way I, I agree with that. You know, like with my kids, I don't encourage my kids to be balanced. Like I encourage them to be extreme. Yeah. So I want them to find something that they're passionate about and pursue it. 140%. Not yep. binge watching Netflix, but I'm just saying, you know, I want them to find an interest. Definitely. And then go after it. And I really don't care within 10 years' time they're still going after that thing. I want them to teach them to put all of their energy into one thing. Yeah. You know? And it also teaches patience. Yeah. Trusting the process. Right. And because a lot of rewards, I think, come later on down the track. Yeah. You know, when you get really good at something. And it's become second nature, kind of what we're talking about earlier in the conversation. The rewards from that and the feelings, the endorphins and satisfaction makes it all worth it. Like all that time and energy and hours spent pursuing or doing that thing makes it worth it. Yeah. How do you, so you're like, yeah, you're super driven. You've got a lot of weight on your shoulders, hundreds of staff or yeah, countless amounts of staff. How do you, how do you balance it all? Like how do you manage yourself? Um, like how do you kind of keep it all intact? Well, I think that's, that's not something that I've always excelled at, if I'm going to be honest with you. In fact, I would say I'm probably pretty poor at that naturally. Yeah. But in the last five years of my life, I've gotten, uh, I've had to get mm-hmm. really, really good at doing that. And you and I have had a bunch of conversations about this. How do you stay, how do you stay fresh? How do you stay energized? How do you stop letting the, the bad things get to you? Yeah. Um, for me, I've just had to, I've had to realize that one of the biggest blessings I bring to the people that are around me is my own personal freshness. Mm -hmm. So if I'm not happy, if I'm not energized and uh, if I'm not happy, then that's going to be a big problem for everybody that works with me. And so I've had to really uh, get better at asking myself a lot of questions um, about how am I doing. Interesting. And then... So the way you... Sorry to interrupt. So the way you feel and almost reconfigure is based off the questions you ask yourself. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Interesting. I, I'm pretty internal about that now. Yeah. I didn't used to be. I thought I was bulletproof for a long time. Just yeah. Just went, 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 went and didn't get in touch with, and I thought tiredness was something that other people experienced, if I can be honest with you. Yeah. Um, and that's never a good thing because that's probably birthed out of pride. Yeah. And then I had to realize that I get tired. I'm not always mm. at my peak. And I'm far more attentive now to what I need, not selfishly, but I had to realize that if I don't value me, then I'm never going to be of value to other people either. Totally. So then uh, I had to get good at taking days off. Um, I work with a nutritionist now. Yeah, you said. Yeah. So how did, tell tell us about how that switched things up for you. So you went from a carb diet to the high fat diet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. And that's like scratching the surface. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I used to, 
just eat what other guys eat, you know, I guess burgers and chirps and, you know, whatever, high carbohydrate. Tastes good. <laughs> yeah. And then I started to ask myself, well, and I, and I drank a lot of coffee. Like yeah. I drink three cups, five cups a day. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, and then my whole life had trouble sleeping. So I first had trouble sleeping when I was 11. That's the first time I went to a doctor because I couldn't sleep when I was wow. 11. Um, but because I've always had a high amount of personal energy, it kind of just overlaid it. Yeah. But what it meant was that I was never, I was never truly healthy. Yeah. So then what I've been doing with my nutritionist, um, uh, her name's Shelly Garworth, and, and what I've been doing with Shelly is looking at what foods fuel me, what allergies I have. I'd spend a lot of money doing tests and stuff to work out what foods were reacting well with my body. Um, and then out of that, repackaged everything together. So yeah, so now I eat high fat, uh, diet not bad fats but good fats yep. so uh, avocado, avocado olive oil yep. um, macadamia nuts yes yeah salmon uh, anything like that uh very low in carbohydrates Lo- anything green i eat bucket loads of anything green yep. put a salad in front of me i'll eat the whole bowl yeah um and you know then i've also uh i have a packaged nu- nutrients that i also uh, you know supplement tablets yep. that i'll have yeah what are you taking uh stuff that you don't know the name of i take something called cytosome okay uh when i'm speaking a lot that's very adrenally fatiguing so okay. uh, uh doing public speaking's a high adrenaline activity yep. so if i'm uh, doing too much of that i take something called adb5 plus which mm-hmm. just replenishes my adrenals mm-hmm. um uh and then i at the moment i'm taking digestive supplements too so something called betaine okay. which just actually just helps my gut to work properly yep. i'm still not that's something that I'll fade out Repair. over time. It's incredible how the, your cognitive function is directly related to your gut function, yeah. gut health. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that as well. I had no idea. Yeah. Like, but realizing that my gut was affecting everything. Like yeah. Creativity. So I was taking coffee to try and get my brain to function Yeah. because I knew it could function. Mm-hmm. But the truth is I really need to help my gut the to gut, function yeah. and then my brain to function. For sure. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, other other skin allergies and health problems that are also associated like eczema. Yeah. Super common. And that's all from the gut, gut cleanse. My daughter, when she had eczema, we went to three different doctors, conventional doctors, and eventually went to a naturopath. And she's like, well, you should do a gut cleanse, go on the GAPS diet, just like bone broths, things like that. Immediately gone, happier child, better sleeper. Yeah. yeah but yeah sorry so no it's the same same with me i like i sleep well i'm like yeah. your daughter that's, yeah. that's the reason why i couldn't sleep from the age of 11 i thought it was just because my mind was really busy mm. and whilst that's true it's also more true mm. that basically i was eating foods that weren't healthy for me for sure so then changing that i mean i have bone broth every day so good right yeah i love it yeah, yeah. and now i sleep better than i've ever slept in my life before. yeah well, that's amazing. So, so, so a real switch up on your diet and from a, I know it's probably hard to, to rate it, but how much of a percentage shift do you reckon that caused by switching up your diet? Do you reckon 20% more productive, 50%? Yeah, well, I, I think that combining that with the fact that making those changes also meant that now I don't have caffeine, yep. which I miss every day of my life like yeah. i love how long you've been caffeine free for since uh october last year oh so wow that's pretty impressive new. so yeah. this is this is july now yeah. i think yeah so only like seven months yeah nine that's, months. that's amazing but um uh what that probably did what the caffeine probably did was it um it didn't center me the same 
Mm. So when I'm not caffeinated, I think I'm more centered. So I'm less, I'm less peaks and troughs in terms of what I'm doing. Uh, and that has had a real impact for me on courage and decision making. I feel like it's had a real impact for me and clarity about what I'm trying to accomplish. Wow. I think it's really just, it's made me much more consistent. Yeah. And so I feel like that has probably made me, I, I want to say 15 to 20% better. Wow. Uh, you asked for a percentage. Yeah. It's, I think it's, it's, that high. it's incredible way eh, how at the time, and that's, that's the real pull and danger of drugs, like caffeine being a drug is yeah. they make you f- believe that you can't live without them, but actually you can. And when you do, your life actually increases. It, it improves. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true about, yeah, you're actually inspiring me to, to quit. Because a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, I had um, just, I got the man flu for three days and didn't drink coffee. And then I couldn't kind of touch it afterwards for about two, three days. And it's incredible when you listen to your body, when you really listen to it and you don't eat the stuff that it doesn't want, um, how much better you feel. And I didn't, I felt absolutely fine. And same thing, like I didn't get those real peaks in the morning when naturally your adrenal adrenal glands are pretty overloaded in the morning anyway yeah and then um when you add coffee to the mix they just go haywire and especially if you mix that with poor diet and also a poor poor management of your thoughts yeah you 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 understand why so many people get sick yes like or premature aging and or um having breakdowns like you're hearing of 35 year olds having nervous breakdowns and mental breakdowns and yeah yeah but if you actually look at it holistically what they put in their diet are they exercising are they getting sunlight you know are they you know what are they putting in their in their mouths like it makes starts to make sense and you know it's not rocket science but that's super encouraging to know that you can uh function 20 percent better without having caffeine and diet in your diet yeah, I think valuing yourself as, as you know, your, your, your food is the seed, your health is the harvest. Yes. Right? So the, the, the seed you put in is going to determine the harvest that you get out. And, and often if you don't like the way you're feeling, it's, it's going to come back to what you're putting in. Yeah. I preached a sermon actually called God is Interested in What I Eat. Yeah. It was a highly unpopular sermon. I can imagine. But, but, um, but you know, I, I mean, when, when I read the Bible, I can see that. I don't want to go into that for time or, or yeah. emphasis today, but... You know, you, you, you need to look after yourself and I yeah. think that's very, very important to nail down what your what you need. I mean, I work with uh, a lot of uh, like, especially rugby players. Yeah. And typically they will be 19, 21, 23 years old, yeah. suddenly exploding onto the scene. Yeah. And they, uh, they are very open to coaching because that's the whole environment of their lives. But if they don't learn to handle themselves well, mm. then that's a very slippery straight. Uh, you know, once you start to be successful, they having huge amounts of caffeine, you know, their performance gets put in the paper. You can quickly see how success is not always your friend. For sure. If you don't work out how you're going to manage it as you go along. Definitely. You know? And, um, and uh, I've had to go on a big journey for myself of just being able to make sure that I'm healthy so that I can handle what is going to happen for me in the days that are coming. Yes. Does that yeah. make sense? Absolute perfect sense. When I nearly went bankrupt in 2017, I've said this story a few times on the podcast, but the first thing I did was triple down on my health. So yeah. stop, no alcohol. I don't smoke or do drugs anyway, but none of that. Exercise every day and 
really doubled down on my health, no sugar, no caffeine every day. I'd go for walks at night, do my breathing, breath work. Yeah, yeah. And then my incantations. And then I'd come back and I'd feel empowered, vibrating. And it gave me the ability to firstly sleep better, which was, you know, that's the foundation to good health. Yes. And in the morning, the next day, I, I, I'm empowered enough to make sure make the right decision. Yeah. And the thing is, if you make a decision in a poor state, due to doing all the other stuff back badly, you're like the next phase of your life or you know, if you're trying to get yourself out of, let's say, bankruptcy, which is a very, even for the most healthiest yeah. people in the world, it's stressful. Yeah. Um, but if you're, in a, if you're in a good, if, you, if you're in good health, you can, make, you can handle that better, like, like a lot better. And, yeah. I, and I got through it because of that, like, you know, yeah. just because of that. And obviously, and a bunch of other different attributes, you know, things as well. But yeah. I think that's um, it's something where a lot of people miss, and also don't blame them. Like we're inundated with, you know, tasty gourmet-looking junk food that's packaged in a way where it makes it look healthy. Cereal boxes say five-star rating, but you look at it, it's full of yeah. wheat and sugar. Yeah, you know, when I was at high school, it'd be nine a.m., ten a.m., and I can't even keep my eyes open because yeah. I'd be fueled off milk and you know, sugar and wheat, you know? And I was like, you know, people used to call me sleepyhead, <laughs> you know? And it's not that a, seems amazing to me. Like, it's not, <laughs> there's nothing sleepy about you. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but you kind of, yeah, it's, it's quite funny looking at your life retrospectively. And, and at the same time as well, seeing people, like I know there's, um, you know, people in my circles and family and stuff. And you really, do you feel as well, some people just don't want to be helped? Like they almost love indulging in whether it be misery or sadness or depression. It's almost like that's their familiar world. They don't want to change. And even someone that's doing the opposite, they don't want to listen to. What's your, what's your thoughts on that? I think that one of the things that I've realized as I've gone along on my journey is that crisis is not my enemy, it's my friend. Yes, so true. And I think that, that the challenge for most people is that they probably just haven't had a deep enough personal crisis to really change. Mm. And I mean, I was so thinking about true. this even when you were speaking before, because the truth is when, you know, and, and we've talked a bunch of times, um, and so I'm sort of a little bit acquainted with your journey. And I think when you nearly went bankrupt, when I Love Ugly, you know, came under tremendous stress, I mean, I was already a serious fan of your brand before yeah. that. But I look at it now with COVID, with every other point of change, it's like, if that hadn't happened, yeah, what would have happened to you in 2020? Yeah, so true. But because you went through crisis, you're a much better person for it. Yeah. And I think for us in our lives, when we go through crises, the crises don't destroy us ever. Mm. They normally just reveal us for what's really, really important. Yeah. They bring out the good things and they help us to find the strength to change. Yeah. And so I, I normally say to people, force the crisis upon yourself. Mm, you know? So true. Um, <laughs> I love, oh, you yeah. know, we could end this right now and they'll be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, force I love the it. crisis. Yeah. Uh, get some goals. And then you'll yeah. get a crisis very quickly because you realize how much those goals are not progressing. And then suddenly that complacency goes because you're like, this is yeah. not working. Yeah, so true, right? Yeah. And it's, um, and I love that you touched on goals as well. It's like when you do hit that crisis, it's a goal that pulls you through and you don't focus on the crisis, you focus on the goal. 
you know, a little speed bump, got to go around that boulder. It's all good. I'm back on track. I know where I'm going. Yeah. I think that's, um, so you must be a pretty uh, ferocious goal setter, I can imagine. I tend to be, yeah. Yeah. And, and, I've, I've, I've and how often do you look at your goals? Um, well, I mean, we have, I have organizational goals for where we're trying to take a rise. And so we look at those, you know, uh, yeah. quite a lot. We have a dream as well for what we're trying to do for 10 years. Yeah. And so I, I keep that dream in front of me. I read that every few days. Wow. And then personally, I try to have less goals than I used to because I, I, I found that I'd set like 20 goals. Now I just set two or three for yep. the year um, and really focus on on those. Yeah. So and and then, you know, they're, they're all very accessible. So Evernote, um, they're my favorites on Evernote, you know, which is a note-taking app. Yeah, yep, it's great. Or they're on the screensaver on my phone. Yep. Normally, I'm normally just right there, just... These are the three things. Mm. Or if they're really personal, I come up with code words, put those on the screensaver of my phone so I don't, other people don't know what they are. Yeah. But yeah, just really keep them in front of me, make sure that I know what they are, mm. where I'm going. And what's our, just coming back to your morning routines as well, um, how do you, so in the morning you wake up and you do that little moment of creativity for half an hour in silence and just kind of connecting with God and whatnot. Like what do you, what do you like when you're connecting with God? Like, what do you do, and how does it make you feel afterwards, and things like that? Well, I, I read the Bible every day. Yeah. You know, so that's going to be the first portion of what I do, and and for me, that's um, incredibly life giving for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's where a lot of my creativity comes from. You know, I personally believe God is the creator of the universe, so He's the most creative person alive. Yeah. So then I connect with Him by reading, you know, the Bible, and that that gives me. Uh, clarity it also helps me with my thoughts because it really focuses my thoughts and gets me thinking in a positive direction every the bible is just so incredibly positive yeah it's so incredibly life-giving so it really feeds me fuels me and then out of that i go to moments of prayer and for me prayer is uh sometimes audible but i also journal every day i write my prayers Um, and that just again helps me to make sense of what might be confusing for me so it's just sharpening your thoughts, emptying your mind. Yeah. 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 So it's a very... Christians invented meditation, like in the Western sense. Yeah. Not, not necessarily claiming it globally, but meditation for us is like like millennium old. We have, sure. been, we have been meditating for millennia. Yeah. And that's, so. yeah, and that's even what I was going to um, touch on next is... So obviously my background was personal development. So I was in the, into like the Jim Rohns and the Tony Robbins and things like that. Right. And then I felt, I got through this period of my life where I felt something was still missing. I grew up in a Catholic household, but I never really, it was forced upon. I didn't pick. Yeah. You know, and I always felt that. I always pushed, I always felt pushed, I I pushed that stuff away because my parents, it was just boring, you know. And And then I got into personal development. It helped me kind of gather my thoughts and things like that. And then when I went through all that adversity in early 2017, I had this natural inclination to start going to, to church, which was odd, like for me. But I felt actually filled up and fulfilled, and I felt that there was something actually out there that wasn't about me, and I was actually like, I was backed up. Yeah. But then when I started to get, get deeper into it, I was like, a lot of the stuff, personal development stuff that I've been learning about and you know, read about in all these books, a lot of it almost came from the Bible. Yes. Like these messages and like you read Proverbs and it's like 
gym after gym after gym. Yeah, I've got yeah. like all mine highlighted and look at it. And it's like, you know, that is, uh, and it, that, that kind of blew my mind, but it also made a lot, lot more sense to me. Yeah. You know, because sometimes, you know, like what you were saying before about crisis, like embracing it, being your friend, like that's so profound, so powerful. Like I know people are going to hear that and it, it will change the tra- trajectory of your lives. A lot of that, you know, that philosophy and way of thinking is derived from the Bible. It is. Which yeah. goes to show that, oh, for me personally anyway, and I know you're the same, it's just like, that's why you feel better yeah. and why you can connect with like your maker or, you know, you do, you do feel better. You yeah. do feel just more enriched and you feel like you're not, you're not alone. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, and, and it's real, real interesting. And um, what do you think, uh, how are we going for time? You're good. I am good. Yeah. yeah. 46 well 46 minutes already <laughs> that's going quick what do you think uh what do you think of uh key attributes for a leader uh i mean i think the ultimate definition of a leader is that they influence others i mean at the end of the day if you call yourself a leader and no one's following you then you're not a leader you know yeah. the, the old adage is you know if, if you say you're a leader and you're out taking a walk and you know if there's no one following you, you're just taking a walk, yeah. right? So you're a leader is influence. And so influence is measured by how many people are being impacted by what you're communicating. So that's the ultimate measure of leadership um, is the influence that you're having. And um, realizing that is important because uh, without that, you can quickly just become a manager or a task delegator Whereas as a leader, I'm trying to influence, I'm trying to change an environment. I'm trying to lift people to perform better. I want the people that are closest to me to be bettered because I'm in their world. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to sponsor their success, um, make their lives better because I'm in it. And that for me is what leadership is all about. It's, mm-hmm. not, it's not about the fact that other people do what I tell them to. I want them, you know, that. Uh, John Maxwell's an author and he talks yeah, about yeah I love John Maxwell yeah, yeah. talks about the five levels yeah. of leadership you know and the, the top level of leadership uh, I might get the wording wrong but he talks about personhood mm-hmm. so that's just who you are has become uh, synonymous with trustworthiness respect admiration you have weight when you speak you know that's that's what leadership is all about. It's mm-hmm. not about just trying to be a person who other people do what they tell them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about people respect you, admire you, want to emulate you to some degree. That's what it means to be a leader. Mm-hmm. And so then that, that really encompasses everything about my life and drives me to become uh, a, ho- a holistically rounded person that is worthy of your followership and it's desirable to follow you is what it means to be the ultimate leader i think mm. and do you find that you have to wear a different hat so you have to be a different type of leader when you're say pastoring a church and leading the church and then being a father and a husband um probably no i think for me it's just pretty pretty consistent i mean um if you're going to be a leader the first thing that you have to accept is that your life you are always going to have to be true to who you are. Yeah. When people get in trouble, and we see this a lot in the media, is when you're one person in one environment and another person in another yeah. environment. Yeah. Um, I started pastoring my own church when I was only 29. 
And so, you know, when you're 29 years old and you're trying to pastor a church, people look at you like, who's this young guy? Yeah. What, what does he know? Can you even grow a beard? What are yeah. you doing pastoring a church? You know, Absolutely. So I had to learn very young to just be consistent always, to not have inconsistencies in my character or my conduct. And I think that's where most people lose, excuse me, their leadership is when they are not the same. So, I mean, with a, you know, with your children, I think if you're going to parent your children, it's about just trying to be consistently yeah, admirable. And, you know, I'm not perfect in that. I, one of the things I do, though, with my children is if I feel like I have not been true to who I am, I get grumpy, angry, whatever, um, then I, I would just front up to my kids and just say, I'm sorry. That's not who I want to be. And I've done that 50 times at least yeah. in their lives. And uh, they've never lost any respect for me. Uh, because of that and I'd, I'd do that with my staff too yeah like i've i've behaved in meetings where i've you know been you know jet lagged stressed, yeah you're just whatever. off you're human yep. end of the day but what i'll always do is gather the team again and i'll just say listen that meeting two-thirds of it was okay but when i said that that's not the leader i want to be and that's not the leader that you deserve yeah and i just want you to know that for that section i'm sorry i needed to confront the thing but the way i did it wasn't who i want to be so I'm on a journey, I'm going to get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can help me to be accountable. And I think as long as you're consistent, always, that's people will follow you through a lot if they feel like you're authentic. Yeah, so true. You're, you're real, you're trying to lead well, and when you don't lead well, you're not doubling down to reinforce a position that's wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, which again... V is one of the things I just love about you. You're like, I stuffed it up. I made these mistakes. You got on a podcast and said, Here, I mean, I love that podcast because it helps me yeah. because we all get to learn from your mistakes. Yeah. And look at you, man, like your brand, the business just exploding. But I think that's because, you know, you, mm. you haven't tried to deny. Sugarcoat it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You just actually Definitely. out there like, hey, this is reality. You know? Yeah, it's quite funny, eh? Like there's times where you want to sugarcoat it because it's almost easier, but then that whole like alarm bell goes on inside of you is like not authentic, not cool, don't do it. And then you do, so it's harder to be authentic, but the thing is, is like it's actually easier long-term because yeah. you get respect, people trust you. And I think trust as well, especially if you lose the trust from someone by doing something inauthentic once, I think there's always something in them that is not, they don't quite commit, right? Yeah. Because they're like, oh, he's done it. You know, he's done something unauthentic last time. Is he doing it again? Yeah. You know, and I think that's, um, yeah, you got to respect that and you got to respect your position as well as a leader and influence. That's like a, it is a real gift. And I think that, I think there's certain people that are put on this earth to, and they have a moral obligation to kind of lead people when it's tiring, it's hard, it takes energy. But I think a lot of people do want to be led as well, especially by really strong people and i'm not saying i'm that you're definitely that i'd say that i'm um i i want to be like that but um even what i was telling you earlier at lunch is like you know at the moment i'm a little bit tired um it's been a real tough year and uh i just want to have a break and then but i kind of know already know what i'm going to try work on but at the same time it takes a lot of strength just to tell i've been telling my staff that hey guys i'm pretty tired at the moment sorry i'm gonna have a break i'm gonna come back into september and be all you know guns blazing and that's part of the reason as well why i just haven't really done the podcast and things like that just to try to 
be a bit easier on myself as well yes. and i think that's also as a leader as well you kind of you got to get your checks and balances right yeah it's like if you're burnt to the bone you're doing your not only yourself but others a disservice if you're kind of still continuing to go when you're on empty um and that's like yeah it's so yeah i just love kind of hearing because i know for you that's been something that's super important is that whole leadership thing and yeah um so cool to just kind of hear your your point of view on it yeah so, um yeah because you know i've just yeah you see from afar about the work that you do and i think that every organization is a direct reflection of of its leader so you know when the leader's doing when the organization is doing something right it's because the, the leader is so it's uh it's awesome what do you reckon uh switch things up what are your what's, what's your thoughts about just kanye west and the trajectory he's taken in the last 12 months i saw you're wearing a yeezy shoes yeah which i quite I, like I, i love yeezys yeah i'm yeah. a big fan uh not so much of the 350s but i love the 500s yeah. and 700s um uh and yeah i mean kanye like i love his his latest album jesus is king yeah um and i've always been interested in him my friend uh took his wedding so uh he's been involved in and who who's that again rich wilkerson yeah, jr yeah. is his name um and uh you know kanye has been connected with rich for a long time and was kanye always christian or he comes from a christian background yeah i don't think he had like a dynamic faith until yeah. um a year or two ago and what was the catalyst for that do you know i think he had a real low point in his life and yeah. he was feeling you know quite down and that sort of made him you know if you look at him he, he sort of always had this christian influence like yeah. he would be on set doing a recording somewhere and he would fly rich there and wow. you know want want to want to have rich pray with him wow but then i think he reached a point where he's like okay now i'm going to take my faith and i'm going to put it really central um and he he's at the uber 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 end of creative like mm -hmm. no structure you know uh, as from what i hear is his calendar is almost diabolical incredibly fluid yeah. yeah but then he manages to also come up with incredible genius mm. so then i don't know how you balance that all together yeah and especially um, chucking in yeah um you're wanting to be president in the mix and i don't know what to make of that and i don't i don't know if anybody knows exactly what he's going to yeah. do with that yeah it's not his first round with that for sure um yeah. you know but i think he's a bit frustrated probably with how things are going in america yeah. i think most americans are yeah and then and so rightly so it's, yeah yeah wow yeah. and um so you reckon and how do you think his you know the fact that he made that a central part of his life how do you think that's impacted do you think it's done good things not only for christianity but for the world because he's such an influential figure in today's day and age i think it's been a real blessing i mean yeah, you know he probably personified a lot of things um that he has a huge huge following it's insane um yeah. and then you know he's managed to find uh an anchor a rock in his life that has centered him a lot more than he's probably known for a lot of years. Mm -hmm. um, I think him and Kim are doing very, very well together, um, which again, with their level of uh, scrutiny and profile is incredibly impressive. And also their past. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I mean, you know, people like, you know, Justin Bieber and things like that, you know, there's a lot of, mm. a lot of America, America's top celebrities are turning to faith in Jesus. Mm. And I think that's having a, it seems to be having a really, whenever you hear Justin Bieber talk. Yeah, I watched his, um, you know, now since my daughter, she's 
how old is she? She turned 13. Yeah, she'll now be she's, into it. Yeah, yeah. And then I watched that miniseries. I don't know if you saw her on YouTube. I haven't yet. Is it's it actually, marriage? Yeah. And yeah. it's just about his, you know, he talked openly about his depression and addictions and why and, yeah, the things. And it was actually pretty, I, I developed a lot of respect for the guy and I actually thought it was pretty good, like really good for society to see that, you know, him, a guy like of that stature actually being real about, you know, he screwed up and he actually felt suicidal and had addictions and, you know, turned to faith and things like that. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, because, you know, we always see the best bits, the photoshopped bits. No one really exposes the true, raw realness, which I think the world's lacking. So yeah. that's really good. Do you, think it's a, do you think it's a trend as well? It can be a trend? Like people just, you know, st- you know especially those celebrities going to, say, Christianity? Um, maybe it's a trend, but I mean, probably for my sake, I would probably say it's still the test of time. Yeah. Uh, Christianity is still the largest belief system in the world. It has Mm. been, you know, for a long, long time and and it's continued to grow. It's actually never shrunk. Yeah. And a lot of people like to play it that way, make it sound that way. Um, but Christianity is still the fastest growing, you know, belief system on earth. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and even in New Zealand, more than 50% of our population uh, claims Christianity. Yep. And I think that what's that about is, is not is not about trend, it's about it works. Yes. It works. Yeah. What clouds Christianity is when it begets too much religion around it. And by religion, I mean the structure, um, the human side. And at the end of the day, it is carried by humans who are mortal, fallible, imperfect, flawed, um, and that's a challenge, you know, we, the, the Bible says we have treasure in jars of clay mm-hmm. and that's what it's like. So then, you know, the, the jars are, are flawed, but I think that, you know, faith in Jesus has changed my life and I think it genuinely has changed theirs. I mean, um, you look at some of these people and you just see how much life is coming to them. And I, mm-hmm. I know for some of them, I know the backstories cause I know all their pastors, you know, um, like I remember sitting in a restaurant in Sydney once Justin comes walking into the restaurant and the entire restaurant stops. Everybody, everybody is looking at him. And I thought, my Lord, that's a challenge to be his age mm. and to be almost like a cultural demigod. Yeah. You know, is not that doesn't help you to become centered and sane. Yeah. And here's this guy who's found centeredness, marriage is feeling like he's walking in a whole new level of wholeness and he's found that through his faith. Mm. Well, that's undeniably a good thing for him for and, sure. and something that I think has been a blessing to him in his life. Yeah, yeah, and, and to many other people who just yeah. see him as a role model as well. Yeah. So you met Justin Bieber? I did, yeah. yeah. He, well, he came walking up to what's, the table. What's he like? Good cat? Yeah, I mean, he was super dude. polite, super polite to everybody. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I think he's fundamentally As a normal nice as he could be, yeah. I think he's sort of like had such, for a period of time probably just had such power that he was looking for someone to impose a boundary on that. Yeah, yeah. When you're for famous sure. from the age that he was. Absolutely. So and that's what everyone needs, right? Everyone needs those parameters and boundaries. And it's what we were saying before everyone wants to kind of be led and influenced like in a, in a positive way, even yeah. the, you know, the most rich and famous. Um, and that's probably why a lot of them do run into troubles is because there's no one probably courageous enough to actually set them straight yeah. or tell them how it is because they're so used to getting whatever they want 
And I think that's not natural as well. I think it's natural. I think it's really good and positive to, I always tell my wife, we tell service all the time. It's like, we're choosing a hard path now to have the easy path later on in yes. life. Yes. And, um, and I'm, you know, a lot of people choose the easy path now and then later on in life, it's actually kind of gets harder if you don't follow that instinct to, um, you know, to go try something new or take a risk or fail or go broke when you're young and, you know, need to live up in a shack or whatever, you know, I think it's, um, I think it's good. Like everybody kind of needs to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. So what's, uh, yeah. Do you have any, um, do you have any kind of like, you know, closing, closing words or any other things? Wanted to kind of talk about it, wrap it up. Any questions for me? <laughs> we, probably, we spoke like five hours today, so. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've always got lots of questions for you. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, maybe you, I shouldn't. You're have one said of that. my favorite people, <laughs> but I mean, I think that one. I love your phrase: "Aspire to inspire before you ex- expire." Yeah, I love the fact that you literally interlace your brand with the feeling of aspiration in the yeah. lives of people. Yeah, is that intention? Have you always done that? Because it feels to me like you haven't just created a clothing brand. Yeah but something that people can clothe themselves in a sense of inspiration yeah definitely like is that what you sought out to do well not in the beginning because when when i when i first started i was lost and everything myself but then as i started to just mature and become a man and a father um i was kind of drawn and i started getting into the personal development that's what i was like well i think it's uh i think as a brand you need to embody a strong message that people can gravitate towards and when you wear you know i say this all the time it's like when you wear our products you can have five t-shirts on the rack white t-shirts it's like what makes someone pick an i love ugly t-shirt it's because it makes them feel a certain way feel different embody all the messages all the conversations all the podcasts all the articles and that way when you have that crappy day or whatever it's like you're just reminded of what that brand represents and that can kind of that can lift you, but that aspire to inspire. That's from the Bible. I didn't even know that. I was at um, it was at I was at a funeral, and it was like a Catholic church, and the priest quoted it from the Bible. And I was like, "Come on!" So that's where we grabbed that from, and that Is became that right. Yeah, that was like the you know that's the foundation of this this company. It's like do it before it's too late. There's a thing I like called the rocking chair test. And it's like you envision yourself when you're 85, 90 years old and you're on a rocking chair and you think about and you, you kind of like look back on your life and you ask yourself like, what did I, what did I wish I did? What, what, I, what, you know, what should I have done that I just didn't have the courage to do and that always inspires me to, you know, I'm not, not all the time, like there's certain, certain things, like right now I'm on a bit of a, um, I'm really, obviously I've got all the things, but I'm really about building long-term, say wealth, because I want to be, yeah. I want to be 45 years old and I don't want to be a slave to money. Because right. the thing is, if I can sort it, start it now, I wish I, I wish I realized this in my 20s. Um, if I can do it now, it's going to free me up when I'm 45, 50 years old. And I've got that one thing out of my life, what a lot of people are burdened with, yeah. So I can go on to do bigger and greater things and also help people and teach people how to do it. Right now, I'm relearning everything that I had to encounter when I first went into business, which was overcoming fear, trusting myself, um, you know, making the call and just not, and leaning into that fear, being comfortable for fear. And I'm doing it. I've got a little few little, brought a few little kind of tiny houses and investments and I just really want to do that. And I think that I want to, 
teach, you know, I'm trying to teach my staff that as well. It's like, you don't have to actually have your own business to have the wealth. You can actually do that on the side. But the thing is, is like, if you can do that, say, if you can get the money part out of the way in, in yeah. your life, yeah, all of a sudden things start to open up yeah. and you can actually have, and it's like, I know it's, I know probably a lot of people are hearing us and probably disagreeing with it, but it's just there's certain rules in the society and the world we live in today, and I don't think they have changed for thousands of years. Like, you need money to survive. Yeah. And I think, um, and also there's a there's a pattern and a formula which anyone can anyone can learn and teach, but the actual principles of it are the exact same principles with everything else in life, with success, with pursuing your dreams. It's learning to think different. So unlearning everything you know, learning to think differently, having the courage to actually step outside that box, leaning into the fear, not being afraid to learn something new, uh, learning off as many people as you can that are really good at that particular thing. And I'm kind of learning that at the moment and it's actually quite, it's, it's quite fun. You know, I'm really, really enjoying it and I'm on this journey with my wife as well. And, you know, she's doing, doing her thing. I'm trying to teach it to my kids and, yeah, because I like, you know, if I knew what I kind of knew now, you know, everyone says this when I was in my 20s, you know, like a lot of my life would be, but what I went through was 100% necessary. That was my path. That yes. was, I had to go through that. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I guess my point is it's like, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I just want to, yeah, I think a lot of my, it's, it's, it's like, you know, when a, when a, when a tree grows, you know, it has to go under under the dirt, under the earth, the, it, it sprouts, the roots go deep. And before you actually see this oak tree emerge from, from the earth, it's done all this time and hard work and all the roots are just like mounting themselves into the earth. Yeah. Um, and then it's like a solid foundation that can withstand any storm or anything like that. Yeah. And I'm just trying to get those roots kind of into the ground and build build myself solid and same with the company and that's one of the reasons why i've just got off instagram and for a while i'm just going for a bit of a bit of a season bit of a process and trying to recalibrate and reassess myself and you know trying to build that little thing on the side so yeah yeah wow bit, bit of a rant no that's awesome though i love <laughs> yeah. it yeah so nah that's awesome man awesome yeah any other closing words for any of the listeners out there oh man i just think that um you know i think one of the things i love about your podcast and, and just your brand and everything is that sense like you know your life counts you can pursue your dreams don't get stuck in agreed and i would just be saying to people that are listening to this that your life counts you you really are not um an extra you're not superfluous you are you are a unique you are special you are brilliant and if you can, you know, stop comparing yourself to other people, reach inside yourself and be you, be authentically you, be, be who God made you to be and make the world a better place through that, then everything else is going to take care of, it, yeah. of itself along the way. And I'd, I'd encourage you to, you know, pursue that with everything that you have yeah. and be the best you you can. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you're a you're a great guy, John. You know, good friend now, which is which is awesome. And um, where can people find you? Find your yeah, Rice Church. Where uh, can they? Uh, Ricechurch.com. So yep. um, that's the easiest way to find us. Yeah. Uh, or you know, just Google uh, Instagram. Just go to Rice Church, and cool. we're there. Yeah. Awesome. And I'd recommend, highly recommend everyone to check John out. His uh, messages are just yeah, powerful, and you're a great communicator. 
great leader, great guy, great person. So appreciate it. Appreciate your time today. Sorry for the hiccup in the beginning. No, it's all it was good. good fun. We awesome. could have lunch together. It was yeah, excellent. yeah, definitely. Awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and found any type of value, please subscribe to our podcast, share with your friends, and give us a five-star review on iTunes to be in the draw to win a $200 I Love Ugly gift voucher. We will be drawing a winner monthly. Good luck and see you on the next episode.